Amen. We, we're in a series called Making Life Work in the Book of Proverbs. I remember my friend Neil from India, and he had very driven parents. So my friend Neil from India, his uh, mom had investigated, had helped him. They, they didn't have an easy time. They were living in a very small place together, him and his mom and his brother. And they decided what we're going to do is we're going to send you to Drexel University for computer science. And I don't know if you know about Drexel University, but it's a private institution and it's extremely expensive. You know, a lot of Ivy League schools are also very expensive, but one of the differences is that at Drexel, you're not going to have the endowments. <laughs> In other words, you don't have a lot of people who make bank and then, you know, give a huge amount of money so that the sticker price is not what anyone pays, right? So we went to Drexel University. I looked up the tuition cost. Now, it was different when, back when this was happening, but it was still very high. And right now, it costs $51,000 for a year of tuition. And that's not including the $14,000 it takes just to have a place to live and eat while you're there. And it doesn't include the couple grand a year in books and everything else that you have to pay for. So my friend worked hard, his family worked hard, and they were sold on this idea of going to this private university. You know why? Because they have this thing called these co-ops in the summer times when you're not in class, you work with other jobs in your field, and they have an extremely high rate of people getting jobs at the end. And so that's the, that's the, that's the promise. Like, we're going to pour all this money in, but you're going to come out of it with a good-paying job. And the point of this story is not maybe what you think it is. See, the only problem with my friend Neil is that I had told you already that he lived in a pretty humble situation with his mom and his brother. My friend Neil, before college, had never owned a computer. And he jumped into a computer science degree, never having owned a computer. It was a rough time for him. A lot of times as Christians, we can be like this. We can have an idea of something that's great and it's going in a great direction. We can have our heads full of cliches and we can have our heads full of Bible facts. And yet at the same time, we're like that person who can take the driver's permit but has never sat behind the wheel of a car. And that's why this series is called Making Life Work, because it doesn't help you if you just have a bunch of cliches you can repeat. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm blessed by the best. You know what I mean? All these cliches we can say, and yet our lives are a mess. 
And we're like that guy who can ace the permit, but you put him behind the wheels and he's dangerous. <laughs> Amen? We can be like that man that we could find right now if we walked over, drove over to, over to Walter Rand, right? Go over to the transportation center and you will find someone there who can outquote you in the Bible. And yet they are living in the streets. They are not making their life work. And in a lot of ways, when we're honest with ourselves, we can say we are trying and we're coming here and, and we're trying to seek God. And yet if we're really honest with ourselves, we also can admit that we're no better, that we're not making our life work the way it should. And so we want to focus on the ordinary things of life in this series. I talked to you about how growing up, I didn't have a dad or an uncle around or any guy. So I'm going and I'm trying to figure out how to tie a tie to go to some function for the first time in my life. And what do I do? I go online. But we want to be a community, right? Where we can be dads, we can be surrogate uncles, we can be brothers, we can be sisters, aunts, and surrogate moms for each other. That's what it means when we say in our mission statement that we become a family together, that's what it looks like. We learn how to, how to approach that girl that you're intimidated by when you're 18, right? How do you, how do you talk to her? You learn, how do, how do I be a good mom? How do I be a good mom of really young kids and they're driving me crazy, right? We come here looking for answers in our actual lives. And if the word of God is going to help us, that's where we need to apply it, in our actual stuff. So tonight we're going to talk about work. And our passage is from Proverbs 14, 23. Here it is. There is profit in all hard work, but endless talk leads only to poverty. Let me say it again. There is profit in all hard work, but endless talk leads only to poverty. I love how this hits the nail right on the head. It says all hard work. All, it, it expresses the comprehensiveness that this principle applies to every area of our life. All the responsibilities we have. So we all have spiritual responsibilities, right? We have household responsibilities. We have personal responsibilities. And yeah, we have financial responsibilities. And a lot of times our minds just go right there. That's important, but we have a whole bunch of things in our lives where this passage is true, that all hard work will pay off. All hard work will profit. But endless talking, endless talking leads to poverty. Poverty. But don't we also think, we often think, when we hear the word, we hear word work and we hear the word responsibility, I think a lot of times we think in our minds like that's just lame. 
I can think of the scene in the classic movie, The Shining, right? Where the battered, mentally, you know, abused woman comes into this room and there's an old school typewriter. Kelly's too young to know what that looks like. But there's an old school typewriter. He had to push the thing down and a little hammer would come up and hit some ink on the page. And she came up to the typewriter and she saw written on page after page after page the line that all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. And she realizes at that moment that her husband had mentally broke down. And, and that's kind of what we believe, right? We kind of believe that work is a curse. We kind of believe that we are in a prison and we can't get out. You know what I mean? Like when you start talking to people, how are you doing? And I think the, when, we, when you hear the answer like living the dream, right? What does that mean? That means that every single waking second is pain. <laughs> and I'm waiting, I'm waiting to wake up from this nightmare. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. But it isn't. It isn't true. And, and let, me, let me start in with one area of life where I can show you that this is not true. All hard work leads to profit. But endless talk leads to poverty. Let's look at the area of sex, right? Now, there are two ways to go off the rail. There are two ways to go in a ditch and to drive this thing into a ditch. And there's one way where we teach our kids and we ourselves, by our example, are just reckless with the way we talk about sex and how we treat it. And we just act like, hey, there's an itch you need to scratch. You just act like this is no big deal. And we do not act like this is a sacred thing that God gave us. And then the other ditch that we have, as soon as we bring this up, is to talk about it like it's dirty, like it's shameful. And some folks, maybe that, like you've been in families <laughs> where it was like that, where it's just like we just... Yeah, I mean, we know everybody's doing it, but we're just not going to talk about it. It's just not something we want to talk about. We're going we're gonna to push it down. And it's like pushing down that giant beach ball in the lake. And guess what happens when you try to push it down? It just pops up somewhere else. But we need to be telling our kids, very frankly, that, you know what? Sex is special. It's also like the greatest experience that you'll probably have on this side of heaven. But this passage is true. That you have to work. And there's two ways that you work, right? Relationally and physically. So relationally, this is what God says. Get married. That's a lot of work. That's not easy. That's like really hard. And following Jesus is crazy, countercultural, but you guess what? It's absolutely worth it.
Not a, so it's not a weapon to beat up and shame everybody around or even yourself in the ways that you didn't measure up. But that doesn't matter. The word of God will last forever. We are described like blades of grass. We just get dried up in the sun. We're here yesterday. We're gone by today. And I've said this many times that God is calling us as followers of Jesus to be hard on ourselves, but easy on our neighbors. The problem is a lot of people are used to religious folks that are easy on themselves because when it's them, they always give a pass, a mulligan, because you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the struggles that I have. You don't know my circumstance. But everybody else gets the red card. Everybody else gets the flag. And Jesus says, don't worry about other people. Don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about X, Y, and Z. He says, what are you doing? So Nine Inch Nails did not invent sex in the 1994 song, Closer. And it is wisdom that tells us, it is wisdom that tells us that being able to have sex a thousand times with the same person is better than just a bunch of times with a few people or whatever, a bunch of times with a bunch of people, whatever. It's still, it's still fast food. It's not the steak dinner. It's a spam sandwich, all right? There is work. But the thing is, your work is not done, you know? I know, like, there's some folks together here I'm speaking to. It's not like once you get to that point, work is done, <laughs> right? Not at all. So you wake up starting with work, with a text message, with a, a nice thing to say to your spouse, with doing some chores that you weren't asked to do, right? The work is never done. And it is the fool who thinks that the best life is to sit on the lazy boy and have that little bag of pork rinds and just house it, right? When, when you have Thanksgiving dinner in the other room, it's the fool who's sitting there playing his Xbox and Thanksgiving dinner is upstairs in the bedroom, right? You hear what I'm saying? And we are fools. We are. We're stupid and we're thick and we're stubborn and I want you to get smacked in the face with the truth here that all hard work leads to profit in all kinds of areas of our lives. The problem is we get depressed, right? The problem is we kind of lose any motivation. And we just think about what we don't have. And you're like, man, you just talked about being married. Man, I wish that were me, right? Like the problem is you start to just count down the checklist of all the things that you don't have and you can't do. And listen to me. Do not let the work you can't do rob you from the work you can do. Do not let... 
the things you can't do, rob you from the responsibilities that God is putting in front of your place right now. See, you ever hear this word hedonism? You know what that means? It is a, uh, you know, it's not a word we throw around all the time, but it's just like to live for pleasure, to live for pleasure. And it's interesting, a lot of times we kind of get it in our heads that to be a Christian means I needed to deny myself of all the pleasures. And the rea- that's not the reality. So the question one of the New City Catechism, which is also the question that we read um, in the Westminster Confession of Faith, these are very old tools used to train up people to understand what it means to be a Christian. And the first question is, what is the chief end of man? In other words, why am I here? What's the point of my life? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And a pastor who helped me a lot, his name is John Piper, and he made this suggestion in this connection. He said, what if the chief end of man is a little more accurately described as to glorify God by enjoying him forever? And listen to me. The issue is not you being a stoic. It's not you just saying, I'm going to say no to myself. And I'm... No, that's actually the opposite of what God wants for you. God wants you to trade up your, your, your pork rind bag and come to Thanksgiving. God wants you to trade up your, your easy, fleeting pleasures. You, the thing you think is forbidden and whatever, and you think it's great, and he wants you to trade up for something great. I was joking with a friend not that long ago. He was smoking Swisher Sweets. Man, they make me sick. This thing smells so bad. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> These little, little cigars you can get at 7-Eleven or whatever. And the thing is, is that I was joking with him. I said, listen, Swisher Sweets are like the natty ice of cigars. <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> like, if you're going to smoke cigar, like... Step it up. And what I'm trying to tell you tonight is step up your pleasure. So you're at work and you teach at a school. I'm saying maybe you could lead a school. You know, we're trying to like do something here in Gloucester. We're trying to be a blessing here. Maybe you have a job or you got a business. You're trying to survive. What I'm saying here is maybe you could employ some people. Right? We read in that We read in that parable about the one who, you know, got the one thing, the one talent. The thing is, when we read historically about that, one talent, one bag of gold was about a quarter of all of the GDP of that that little area in Palestine. So we read it with like so much disconnect. We're like, poor guy, only got one bag of gold. No, that bag would change any one of our lives. And I hope we're friends enough that if you got it, it would change my life a little bit too. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm hoping that, you know what I mean? Like, like you got to tithe that. You know what I'm saying? We'll teach you about tithe another Sunday. But listen, listen. God had given him a lot. And God has given you a lot. 
And what does that guy do? He questions the character of the one who gave him all of that money, all of those resources, and he buries it. Are you burying what you do have because you're so distressed about what you don't have? Listen, endless talk is not going to lead to riches. And there's like two ways to, that, that endless talk. There's idleness where you just talk about things and you don't do anything, right? I mean, I have done this, you know, knock on the door. Hey, man, you're not doing anything. Come help me. I can't come downstairs. I don't got no clean clothes. Or somebody telling me, hey, you got to pull me out of bed. No, I don't. I'm not your dad. I'm not pulling you out of bed. I can't tell you how many times people have told me, like, live a block or two away from here. I really love to come. You know what? Sunday afternoon comes, and I just, I'm just, just I mean, it's the words they say. I'm just lazy. <laughs> Bumness is real. It is. And I know we wear that shirt, you know, that says everybody has a story that you don't know about, so be kind to everyone. But guess what? Sometimes love doesn't look like just bringing soup to somebody and being a shoulder to cry on. Sometimes love looks like throwing the bed up when they're still in it. You know what I mean? And there's like a rude awakening. And then they're like, what's going on? And you're like, get a job. Come on. Get your stuff together. I know another way that we do this endless talking is procrastination. And I am often guilty of procrastination myself. And sometimes, sometimes what we do with procrastination is we have this weird mix of insecurity and pride. So this is what I mean by pride. We don't get on it. We don't get on it and do it because we think if we did it in the right amount of time, like, like we can just leave it a mystery. Like if I had a month to do that, I would have got an A+. Plus. If, I had a, if I had the same time as everybody else, I would kill it. <laughs> but I can just get started the night before and, 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 and turn in something passable. And so we're insecure and we're proud at the same time, and our hearts are all jacked up. But there's another thing. Sometimes it's not a heart problem. Sometimes it's a mind-body issue. Like, I have adult ADHD. And it can be a challenge to stay focused. It can be a challenge to keep things sorted in an organized way. But guess what? Even in that, it is still my responsibility to get plugged in with resources that are going to help me mitigate the damage that I do to the people that I love around me. Amen? Amen. 